Today's reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. We'll be reading from the New International Translation. And when you pray, do not like be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. The Word of God. It's good to be with you this morning, church, gathering here in person and online. I'm Pastor Sharon. Before we go to the message this morning, I just want to draw attention to these flowers. Yesterday there was a memorial service here in the church And we as a church mourn with others and then also celebrate and point to the resurrection of Jesus. This is what we do as a community and we are privileged to join in that um, celebration of life yesterday. Before we open the word, I invite you to pray with me. Lord, here we are again, but here you are. And we bring ourselves before you knowing that your spirit moves through your word. So take what has been prepared in my heart and the incomplete picture that I have and complete it through your Holy Spirit to your people. I pray in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So how many of you like road trips? Maybe not at this time of year. You know, I know this time of year you're thinking, do I want to get out in the rain and go somewhere? But I love road trips. I love new adventures. I love new opportunities. Just a few weeks ago, about a month ago, I took a road trip down to Cannon Beach, Oregon, for a conference. And in order to get ready for that, you know, you have to do certain things to get ready for a road trip, right? Before heading out, I I must confess, most of the get ready, when we go on road trips, my husband does. So thanks to L.A., he washes the car, he vacuums out the car, he checks the oil, and it's ready to roll. I get the snacks, I packed the water with the person I was heading down on this trip for. Something to enjoy during the time, right? But we all know that the most important thing you need in order to get your car out on a road trip is a full tank of gas, right? And it's expensive these days, isn't it? Ah. But I appreciate in this whole season, whoops, where are we going here? I went way too far, so we're going to go back. I appreciate during this season that when you're on a road trip, a car has a gauge on it that tells you how much gas you need. So I'm going to take a just look at that. This is, whoops, you know, I'm just going crazy here today. Here we go. Our newer car has this. I know we didn't before where you just have to watch the the needle go, right? But this one tells you how many miles till empty, right? So you can see it. Okay, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Okay, I'm at about 20. I better fill this car up. You have to find out when is it empty? What do you need to fill up? And we know unless you stop and fill up that gas tank, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to be ready for anything. To move along. We've been in this series called Get Ready. And during this series talking about 
what it means in this season as we look forward to a new pastor coming. How is our church going to continue in the mission God's always had for us? We don't have a new mission. God has the same mission from the beginning, and this church for almost 40 years has stepped into that mission. But we have new opportunities. We have new things before us. And how can we as a church get ready for this next part of the journey? How can we make sure we're filled up in the way that God wants us to do? Last week, pastors Nancy and Mark reminded us about looking outward. That we need to get ready by having a radical welcome for people around us. Here in this building, here in our community, and beyond. And today... I want us to look at another way to get ready, and that is inwardly. How are you getting ready in your walk with Jesus? What does it look like on the inside for you to be filled up enough to go forward in the journey? And of course, who better to listen to than Jesus himself? You heard Cody read these words. When Jesus gave those words on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, he was, in a sense, launching a new picture of God's mission as well. He was saying, if you want to focus on being a follower of mine, this is what it looks like. And he took what were traditional guidelines from the past, and he said, this is the way I want you to live into it in this way. And one of the things that we find in this is that a genuine prayer life fills us up to be ready for God's mission in the world. A genuine prayer life, a prayer tank that's filled up to the full on a routine, regular basis. So if you have your Bibles with you, um, whether in print or digitally, I encourage you to open again to the passage that Cody read for us. From Matthew chapter 6. It's jumping right into the middle of this sermon, which is a little bit unfair to Jesus, but we're taking a passage on prayer this morning and finding out what does Jesus have to teach us about prayer? We know that throughout the Gospels, if you were to read them, the Gospel writers often just said, this is what Jesus did. He went and he prayed. He went off to a secluded place to pray. And so the disciples watched him do this. They watched him pray, and they came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And this is some of his teaching, so it's for us today as well. You know, we often learn the habits of prayer by watching someone else, right? Sometimes we're wowed by people's prayer, right? But I just think of the simple, routine rhythms of prayer that we watch others. I remember my mom sitting at the kitchen table, that gray formica table, Um, she probably still had her apron on because it was in the middle of her household chores but she sat at that table and she had her Bible open and she'd often pray with her hands up over her face probably to get the kids' distraction away but that was her place of prayer and I watched it and I saw how that was part of her routine you know it's worth noting in this passage out of Matthew 6 that Jesus says When you pray, not if you decide to pray. No, when you pray. When you pray. It's assumed that if you are a follower of Jesus, prayer is part of your language, part of your routine. When you pray. Not if, but how. And so we're going to look at that today. How does Jesus describe prayer? How can we be filled up with a life of prayer? Well, he gives us some negative examples, right? 
So first we'll look at the do not prayer postures that Jesus gives us. And the first one is don't pray in a posture of showmanship. Don't let your prayer life become a show for somebody else. Jesus describes them there, right? He describes them as hypocrites. Hypocrite comes, you know, the root of that word is putting on a mask. Isn't that interesting? We have masks on right now. Hopefully it's not hiding your true self. (laughs) But this is more like a mask in a um, theatrical event where the whole face was covered so you would be a different person than who you really were. So Jesus is saying the hypocrites are like play actors and they love to be seen praying. They love to hide behind this mask of religious piety so others think, huh, that's a pretty good Christian person there. They're putting on a show so that others would be impressed with their devotion to God. You know, in Jesus' day, there were two main places where people prayed publicly. Of course, in the synagogue. He writes about it here. They loved to pray standing in the synagogue, public prayers when the church was gathered. And they also loved to pray on the street corners. They had a rhythm um, in prayer where at 9 o'clock and noon and 3 o'clock, wherever you were, you would stop to pray. And these hypocrites might just gauge it just exactly right. So at noontime... They're on the busiest street corner in the place so everyone could see that they were actually praying when they were supposed to pray. Jesus is saying to us and to his listeners then, if you pray to impress other people, oh, you might get them to notice you. But that's the only reward you get. That's it. Somebody noticed you. That's your only reward if you're praying with showmanship. Now, Jesus isn't implying here that we never have public prayers. I was blessed this morning by Sandy's prayer. I'm blessed by hearing prayers in the public places. That's not what Jesus is saying. There's nothing wrong with us praying together in public. However, if that becomes our only way of connecting with God, something's missing, something's empty. You know, we may not fall into the category that uh, we're out in the street and We lift our hands in the middle and pray to God. I I haven't seen that too much in this day. But there are other ways that we are prone to showmanship in our Christian lives. To put on a mask and pretend like we're really devoted to God. And actually we're just thinking about how is this going to come across to other people. Maybe it's not prayer, but there are other things that we can do that are public play acting. And there's no substance. There's nothing happening in the inner depths of our souls. And so we're only fooling ourselves and others and in a sense trying to fool God when he sees all. We, When we mouth words before God with an eye that others would see us, we're coming up empty. So... This is the do not prayer posture that Jesus points out in Matthew 6. Don't let your prayer life become a show to impress anybody else. That might be in a small group. That might be Sunday morning we meet with our worship team and pray. I haven't seen showmanship there. But we have to be cautious that our words don't become something to impress others. Well, the other part that Jesus talks about here about a do not prayer posture is overachieving. 
Don't let your prayer life be set on this exemplary efforts of what you are doing. Now, Jesus says it this way. Don't keep on babbling. Don't say words over and over and over again. He says, that's what the pagans do. That's what people do who don't really know God. They think if they say the right words in the right order, in the right amount of times, God's going to hear them more. Thoughtless repetition and empty words. Sometimes we don't, we don't, we point at other religions and we say they talk, pray with empty prayers. But I think we can look at ourselves as well as Christians and wonder if sometimes our prayers are just thoughtless repetition, fancy language that we think God will hear us more. I remember as a child hearing a church leader pray and, and It may have been a sincere prayer, so forgive me if I'm judging on what I saw on the outside because I didn't see this person's heart. But in that time, it was very much, you had to say thee and thou, thou, O God, art the wonderful God. You had to use this King James language. You had to use flowery words so that God could hear you. And this is not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, don't babble. Don't, don't keep praying things that really don't connect with your heart at all, that are just repetition. You know, we can have some of those same tendencies in our own Christian life to perform our way into a relationship with Jesus. Are there any ways you perform your way in order to be close to Jesus? Where you are play acting and really there's nothing filling you up on the inside. Well, Jesus gives us an example of positive prayer, a positive posture of prayer. And it is one of personal surrender. He says it very clearly. So when you pray, this is how I want you to do it. I want you to go into your room. I want you to shut the door and pray to your father there. Go into your room, a secret, a personal space of prayer. We get the picture then of an inner chamber, a closed door, separating yourself from the things that might distract you. It's a place of intimacy, a place of privacy before God. And the good news, as Jesus says here, is our Father is there waiting to meet us. Our Father is there saying, I want you to come and be with me in this space. You might notice in here where Jesus uses the picture, the term seen and unseen in this passage. He says, when you go, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. This is sometimes our difficulty in prayer that we don't see the person we're talking to, right? We don't see a person there. And so we come into prayer in faith. And yet he says, the father is already there seeing us. The Father who sees how we pray in secret rewards us. So when we pray to an unseen Father, we pray to a Father who sees us, and that gives us confidence in going forward. It's an invitation. It's an invitation, my friends, to come and be with the Father who knows you completely. Because prayer is, first of all, a personal matter between you and your Heavenly Father, between you and God. And the highest purpose in prayer, whether it's public or private or personal, is to meet with God. 
to connect with God, to hear, have him hear our hearts and us hear from him. And Jesus refers to it in this posture of personal surrender to the place where God meets us. It can be a scary thing because God knows me so intimately. He knows you. There's no place for posturing, pretending, acting like you've got it all together. He sees you. But the gift is he sees you and he says, I love you there. I welcome you here. I see and know what you need even before you say it. I know you that intimately. Now that doesn't mean we don't ask for what we need. We're always encouraged. Later in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. We're encouraged to come to God just like a child comes to a father and says, I need something. But we're coming to a father who knows us already who knows us so completely, so intimately, that we can have that space of personal communion with him. I don't know what that space is like for you. For me, it's usually a recliner in our living room facing out the windows where I can see trees. And for years, that's been my space where I can fully be myself before my Abba Father. No image to portray. No reason really to hide my true self, although I think we, I still do it. <laughs> what is that about prayer, that we think we can fake it before God? But in that space, I can meet with God and God meets with me. There are times where I have to imagine Jesus coming into that space. Sometimes I imagine that the front door opens and he comes in and he sits next to me or sits beside me. It's a place where Jesus says, I want to meet with you. I've heard older saints talk about going into their prayer closet. You've probably heard that term. I'm going into my prayer closet. And whether it's you know your walk-in closet next to your clothes or something, that might be a really good place to pray. If it doesn't make you think about what you have to wear tomorrow or whatever, but um, whatever, a prayer closet. Um, African-American slaves used to talk about their hush arbor or their hush harbor. It was a, usually a secret meeting place, a way where they could pray away from the sea, uh, eyes of others and meet with their God. Outdoors, in a closet, in a recliner, doesn't matter where it is but I would encourage you and I think this is what Jesus is saying not me Jesus is saying this is the kind of prayer life that'll help connect you with your father and fill you up in a way that you can't any other way it's an invitation to be real with God to hear from him talk to him just simply talk to him you know prayer isn't this transactional encounter like I bring my needs to God, he listens, he weighs it, and then he comes back and says, okay, here's my answer. No, prayer is conversation where I speak to God and he speaks to me and I grow in relationship with me and I know myself better and God better. Meeting with Jesus himself in that hush arbor, in that prayer closet, in that recliner. Jesus talks in this passage in in the Sermon on the Mount, and many parts of it, that there's reward in that. 
We don't like to talk about rewards. We think, you know, it shouldn't be that way. But Jesus says there is a reward. There is a reward for this kind of prayer life. And I think what he's saying is your father who will reward you, he's saying he will provide what you need and grow you into what he intends you to be. The reward is becoming more like him. The reward is beginning to think like, imagine like, pray like Jesus does. So, that's a way to get ready, my friends. It's just, I I don't know if you're doing it or not. I have no idea. But, a church that does not have people that are being regularly filled up with prayer cannot move forward in the mission of God as God intends. We might have great strategy. We might, we might have all the things we need. But unless people are filled up with the presence of Jesus in their own personal lives, it can be empty, an empty show. You know, what happens in those secluded places of personal prayer, it shows up in your in community. You probably think of people, even now you know, who actually live that way. And it shows because they pray and they love and they speak and they act according to the way Jesus does. What they are and who they, how they talk aligns with what God loves and what God desires. So I come back to this quote again, that a genuine prayer life fills us up to be ready to move in God's mission. We're going to be we're going to be going on empty without that. And the gauge might be showing it's really getting down there and it could be a reminder to you, go to the prayer closet. Make it part of your everyday life. Our prayer lives are the strongest indicators if we are a Jesus following, people loving, mission focused church. This is my challenge to you, my friends. And many of you already have this part of your habit. You know, prayer can be, we can pray on the go. That's, there's nothing that says you can only pray in a prayer closet. But there's something about set-apart time to be with your father that makes all the difference. Think of it as like in any relationship. If you just are on the run, shooting a quick email, and that's it in the relationship, there's no way for it to grow. But when we spend time... With Jesus, he fills us up with himself and with the truth of who we are as well. In his book, a a classic book called With Christ in the School of Prayer, Andrew Murray says it this way. Prayer is the secret of power and life. Not only for ourselves, but for others, for the church and for the world. It's on prayer that the promises wait for their fulfillment. The kingdom waits for its coming and the glory of God waits for its full revelation. Do you believe that? I mean, the kingdom of God waits on my prayer life? There's something to that, friends. On our prayer lives, as we walk with Jesus in an intimate space, it shows up in the church. Now, I want to be clear on this. Maybe you've been praying this way for years, or maybe you're newer to a prayer life. It isn't complicated. Jesus, in this way, we're going to go through this in a bit, keeping it simple. It's nothing fancy, but it's real. And if you're new to beginning a prayer time, I encourage you, start small. You know, 
once a week <laughs> set apart time and schedule it and show up and just start talking to God I find that sometimes it's helpful to speak out loud so it might be kind of weird if you have other people around in your house but maybe if you still commute to a job you can pray as you go in the car there's something about hearing our words aloud that remind us oh, oh this is I can't fake this now I'm, I'm really talking to God Sometimes I write prayers out, and that is a helpful thing too. Just to start writing out what you're trying to say to God in a journal and, and um, praying that way. And then, of course, giving space to listen. This is actually the prayer posture I'm leaning into most because I like to talk to God, but I don't stop enough and pause to listen to God. I think then even that, if I, I'm learning that when something pops into your mind in prayer, I stop and I say, is that from you, Jesus? Or is this just my idea coming in? So ask him. Like, I, hear, I heard something. Something came to my mind. Is that from you? And then he will show us what is the way. It isn't complicated, friends, but it does call for a huge commitment on our part, especially if it's not been part of your routine. Get ready. Fill yourself up with prayer. Find a way to fit it into your life so that when you're praying in public, it's not just a show. It's coming out of a relationship you've developed with Jesus. Jesus said, if you want to know how to pray, I'm going to give you a simple model. And we know what that is, right? The Lord's Prayer. It's a simple model for us, and it's a good way for us to end this prayer time too. So I'm going to invite you to walk through the Lord's Prayer, and each after each phrase, I'm going to have some time of silence. Now, it won't be completely private because you're sitting in this space, but God sees each one of us, hears our prayers in this moment. And we'll have just a moment for you to speak a word to God or listen to God in a new way. As we follow Jesus' simple picture of prayer, so that we would come in sweet surrender. So I'm going to read the bold part of this. And the second part is actually a paraphrase from Eugene Peterson's The Message. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'll read the first part. We will all together read the second part. And then we're going to pause. You can close your eyes. You can keep your eyes at the screen. You can write something down. Whatever it is. We're going to practice prayer right now. Okay. Let's pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Together. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. The next phrase. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Together. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. The next phrase. Give us this day our daily bread. Keep us alive with three square meals. The next phrase. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Together. Keep us forgiven 
with you and forgiving others. The next phrase. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. For this last phrase, I invite you all to stand as we close this time of prayer and prepare to sing another song. We will say this together with a conviction. We'll read them all together, all parts. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Oh, Lord Jesus, what a gift we have in this model of prayer where you've invited us to speak with you, to know you, to know ourselves in these private places of surrender. We ask only for you, Jesus. Only for you. That in these times of prayer, we would be filled with all you are and aware and reminded of all you say so that we could get ready to be the people you always intended us to be. Give us Jesus, we pray. Amen.